0: Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I'm Beth Cyberson, a mom of an 18-year-old son, Joey, who has been dealing with mental health and addiction issues for several years. I'm walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery while I work on my own personal growth and healing. Today's guest, Eric, is the brother of a good friend of mine. He has an incredible recovery story, which I have heard over the years through my friend, Beth, She refers to him as her hero brother, and she will come on later in this episode to share her perspective. Eric and Beth's mom, Lori, will also be joining us. It'll be a real family affair, because addiction is never about just one person, and it certainly affects everyone in the family system. So Eric's addiction and recovery story is on the more extreme end of things. He was living on the streets using meth for three decades, and he's been to prison nine times. He's been through some of the worst things that humanity can endure, but he's come out the other side. He now has a beautiful wife, a teenage daughter, an awesome job, and is speaking out to help other families understand the effects of addiction and the hope that recovery is always possible. So welcome to Safe Home, Eric. I'm so glad you're here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, first, can you tell me what it was like when you were a little kid before any substances came into your life? What was your growing up time like?
1: Growing up as a kid, I had a great childhood. Great childhood, great grandparents, great parents. What happened? I I got into the punk rock scene mm-hmm. in the 80s mm-hmm. in junior high school. And after that, it was like, okay, this is what I want. I don't want rules. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And so, drinking for most in high school, it's something they do and they go on to graduate high school and college and get jobs and have families and live a normal, productive life. Mm-hmm. For me, it was the total opposite. Mm-hmm. I went to the extreme with it. I was a blackout drunk in high school. Mm-hmm. I was the one at the party that was always passed out in the backyard mm-hmm. after the party, and mm-hmm. someone would kick me awake, and it's time to go, man. You got to get out of here. <laughs> my childhood was great, though. I, I I don't have any complaints. It was nothing in my childhood, I don't think, led me to my addiction. Good.
0: So then the first thing you used was alcohol?
1: Yeah, alcohol was the first thing I was introduced to, and then Never really smoked a lot of pot. Didn't like the way it made me feel. I liked to go fast. Uh And so I got introduced to speed. It wasn't called meth back then because meth hadn't, it wasn't on the scene yet. It was speed. Okay. And I got into that. And then once the meth hit, it it grabbed a hold of me and it wouldn't let go.
0: So meth is a different chemical than
1: speed? It's made different.
0: Okay. And that really just
1: hooked you in? It hooked me hard and fast. And I should have graduated high school in 1987. That didn't happen. And then two years later, I was living on the side of the 405 freeway in a tent. My choosing, because I didn't want rules. I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do. I wanted to to get high and, and drink and just not have anybody to answer to. So
0: did you have some options available to you if you would have been willing to be under somebody else's rules like w- would somebody have sent you to rehab or
1: oh yeah been been through countless of rehabs
0: so they they tried to send not, you
1: not just mom and dad but the courts you know i you know living on the streets for as long as i did and, and i would get in trouble the courts would send me to court-ordered rehab and i'd do that and get out And as soon as i get out or even if i would make it through you know
0: did you run away from them sometimes or just say well I, this
1: most of them, they they're not locked down because I yeah. wasn't a juvenile. I was an adult. Yeah. I did go to a couple places that were locked down when I was a minor, and uh-huh. it didn't work.
0: They don't lock them down anymore in California, by they the don't. way. We tried that with Joey, but we had to take him to Nevada, but it didn't work either. So
1: <laughs> no, I, it didn't work for me either.
0: Yeah, it doesn't work until you're ready for it to work. Is that?
1: I remember one time, mom and dad were so frustrated. They sent me to a group home and I was there two nights and I almost got arrested, Mm. but they decided just to kick me out because I was smoking pot in the bathroom. I'd smuggled the pot in and and that's how it was for, you know, all through high school. I didn't live at home for a while when I was at high school because I was uncontrollable. Yeah. I did what I want. If I went to school, I would be either high or or drunk.
0: Okay. So the odds of you learning anything. We're not so good.
1: <laughs> no, my grade point average in 10th grade was 0.0. 0. Oh. Yeah, I, I didn't like school. I hated school. All I wanted to do was party. Yeah. That's all I cared about.
0: So you were into the music scene and partying, and was nope. it kind of a sense of community you had with those, or did you really just what, love the music?
1: Or? Once, w- once I hit the streets, I mean, there's a community on the streets, yeah, of people who, it's not like it is today, the homeless problem today. When it was back in the 90s, when I was on the streets, mm-hmm. you didn't really see us. You know, we weren't camping on the streets. We had places that were hidden. So you couldn't really tell.
0: Okay. So nowadays, is there just so many more homeless that it's impossible yeah, to be well, hidden?
1: I'm, I recently moved back here and, and it's changed a lot. Orange County is brighter and, and prettier, but the homeless situation has gotten out of control. It's, yeah, it's, it's really...
0: I just feel so bad when I pass by, you know, the underpasses and there's just tents and tents and tents and garbage and you know just it's oh, just it's it wasn't, breaking my for heart. For me
1: for me living on the streets that wasn't what it was like it, what it's when you drive by and see them on the streets today. Mm-hmm. That's not how it was back mm-hmm. when I was on the streets. We all had a little group or click and we all did whatever we had to do to to stay high. Mm-hmm. And when meth mm-hmm. hit it it created a monster with me. I just, that's all I wanted to do.
0: Wow. Now, what form is meth that you took? I did it all. All the different ways. How and many ways are there?
1: Once I found the needle, okay. It, I was uncontrollable. That,
0: that goes into your system very quickly, right? Very fast. Yeah.
1: And so it was a total different high. And so I went from snorting and smoking it to shooting up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it put me in a different category of mm-hmm. drug addict. And I got worse. Yeah. It got way worse.
0: Mhm. Way worse. And then how did you pay for it? I mean, did you um, have to steal stuff or
1: yeah. deal yeah, drugs or I did whatever I could without having to sell my body mm-hmm. for it. I, ne- I never went that far mm-hmm. but I stole, I robbed, and that's that's how people support their addiction. A sure. lot a lot of them do, you know. It's just part of the life.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: You get caught, you go to jail, you get back out and Steal again, or do this again. It's a vicious circle.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to go back just a little bit to when you started using. How old were you when you started drinking? And then eighth grade. Eighth grade. Okay, that's a common age for this all to start happening. I think that's when Joey started acting out.
1: Kids are curious. Yeah, you know, and,
0: curious or trying to figure out who they are. Which group do you fit in with? You right, know exactly. And so you found these kids.
1: And I didn't fit in with any group. I was I was kind of a nerd. You know, I was kind of a, I don't say geeky, but kind of a nerdy kid. I just, I didn't have very many friends and the Mm -hmm. friends I eventually made were the wrong friends.
0: Yeah. Now it's impossible to know now, but if you hadn't gone down this path, would you have been, you know, got through high school? Were you thinking of college? You know, what was, what were your dreams before you started using
1: substances? You know, that's a good question. And I, I don't know. You don't remember. I don't really remember. I, I, maybe it's just because I, I spent so many years, you know, hooked on meth.
0: Maybe you were just kind of floating along, just I really. I what's maybe I.
1: It's possible that I, I didn't get the chance to develop yeah. those dreams. Yeah,
0: it could be. Yeah. So uh, the first time you tried speed, it hooked you.
1: Oh yeah. You're like right oh yeah this That's will right. and then this and will then do? and then when I found shooting up was a different high.
0: How old were you then when you found that you could use the needle?
1: I was probably in my late 20s. Okay. So it was quite a while after I'd (laughs) been on the street and using meth Mm -hmm. other ways. And then it just opened a whole other world, which was, took me to some dark places living on the streets.
0: I bet. I bet. I suppose when you're using meth, you don't get that hungry.
1: (laughs) No, no. (laughs) But but you need to eat something. You either away. Yeah. You know, not everybody I, I associated with was on the streets. There are people that lived normal lives that either sold meth or did a meth and they weren't in the position I was in. And so I didn't have a my own place to live. Mm-hmm. But there was other people who I would stay with for okay. a couple of days here and yeah. then I'd go off and do my thing and, and then go to another place that I was welcome at. And mm-hmm. you know eventually those places burned out.
0: They're like sorry, but can't do it anymore. And it,
1: it was constant, constant, yeah. constant.
0: Just every day trying to figure out where am I going to sleep? Where am I going to eat? Where's my meth?
1: And and it got to a point where I didn't care where I was going to sleep. Okay. I would sleep behind a shopping center. Okay. If I didn't have a girlfriend at the time, or if I wasn't with someone at the time, I I, I didn't care. Okay.
0: So that was if I needed you.
1: to crash. Uh huh. I would find a place to crash.
0: Okay, just anywhere.
1: And that's how how far down I got.
0: Yeah. And this is in Southern California, so you didn't have to
1: deal with snow or... It went from Orange County to San Bernardino County. Okay. So I, I jumped. Okay. When I burned out Orange County yeah. for myself, mm-hmm. I moved away and got into a, a whole other group of people that were doing the same thing. And it was just, okay, I went from one one mess to another mess. Yeah.
0: San Bernardino is sort of known for having a lot of drug addicts very, and yes, drug very. culture.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Oof. So what did you end up getting your prison sentence
1: for? So when I got arrested, I got arrested for possession of meth and it wasn't very much meth, so they put me on probation.
0: Okay. And how old were you then? Um, or like how long into it was this?
1: Maybe ten years. Okay. In,
0: in. okay. So you for so, ten years. But, you were but able I was to in and out
1: of jail. Oh jail. I was doing a lot of jail time. I didn't go to jail for under the influence or possession of paraphernalia or petty theft or oh, you know, Okay drunk in public or a lot of petty things. Uh And then I got arrested for a very small amount. Okay. And they put me on formal probation. I ended up violating my probation because I wouldn't report to a probation officer. I said, I'm not going to report to you. You know, catch me. Okay. They caught me and they sent me to prison. Okay. Over a little bit of meth. Okay. (laughs) So that's where it started. And and then I, I got out and I was out three days and I violated my parole and I went right back three days later.
0: Wow. So had you just given up at that point where you're like, yeah. fuck it, it doesn't matter?
1: Exactly. Just- it's, this is the life I'm going to live. The people that I'm going to hang out with are, are, are gang members and drug addicts and prostitutes and my life will never be anything other than going in and out of prison and Eventually, I'm going to die on the streets. Okay. I had made up my mind. I didn't know any other life. This was my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I could have the life I have now today.
0: Yeah, I hear that. That's very sad, though. Did it feel to you like you didn't deserve a better life? Like this is what you deserve? I was scared of it. Scared of having a regular I life? I
1: was scared to succeed. Uh huh. Why? Well, for one, you, you get so low, that mm-hmm. becomes normal. It becomes comfortable to you. You're okay being so far down. Mm-hmm. Okay, look, I, if I want a different life, I got to do all these steps and all these things. And that's hard. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to stay right here in my shit and, yeah. where I'm comfortable.
0: Yeah. And, yeah.
1: and everybody around me accepts me where I'm at because that's where they're at too.
0: Yeah, because that's who your whole peer exactly. base was, your group was. Do you feel like the prison system at all helped you overcome any of those obstacles or did it make everything worse?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say it made it worse. It didn't help.
0: Was there anyone that tried uh, to help or you, tried to?
1: You can parole to a, a so-called halfway house, but those are a joke. There's nobody sober in there. Really? No, they're not. The ones that I went to, yeah. they were all, most of them were run by people that are still using drugs and they just get over on the system.
0: And they're making money off of and it. And they're making and, money, yeah. Yeah, I know. I've looked into the sober living situation for Joey, but it's like the Wild West. There's no regulation and mm-hmm. there's no one keeping an eye on medical or, you know, sobriety. Huh. It's like a, it's a terrible thing. But was there any, like, I don't know, outreach or like religious groups or anything? In Yeah, there's in the been a few. System?
1: There's been a few that took me off the streets once and it only lasted for so long. And I never actually stayed sober or clean off the meth for long enough to give it a chance. Yeah. We went right back.
0: What's it like to come off of meth?
1: You just get tired. Just really tired? You, you get tired. And it, for me, I got really tired, slept a lot. Okay. You know, there, there's days where you don't have it. And so the days that you're not on it, you know, you, you're tired. Just want to lay around, do you nothing, sleep. sleep.
0: So those are the guys we see laying in the park. And- yeah. Uh, They're just—they're
1: burned out. They're—they're crashing.
0: Yeah.
1: And when they come, when then when they wake up, they go out and they hustle, do whatever they have to do to get more. And then Mm -hmm. they're up for another week or two or however long. Uh I I don't know. It's been a long time since I've done meth, so (laughs) I don't know what it's like anymore. I've got a friend who's cleaned his life up, and he says that that it's not the same Mm. as when we did it together.
0: Yeah. Well, nowadays there's fentanyl involved. Did your friend mention that?
1: Yeah. He he said that he. It's a, a big risk yeah. right now. It's you a very know. big risk.
0: Yeah, even with my son using cannabis, anything off the street can be laced with fentanyl. Y-
1: yeah, you, and then you, you it, just
0: can die. It's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. I actually bought him. They have test strips that you can test the substance oh. to see if fentanyl's at all in the substance. So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know if it's new, but I got him some, and he was real appreciative. Sometimes he gets his stuff at a dispensary. The cannabis. But sometimes he, he gets off the street and then it's just, mm-hmm. you're just rolling the dice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, ah, that's terrible. But even even without fentanyl, back when you were using meth, is very dangerous to use. Yeah, because they right? use
1: household cleaners to make it.
0: Oh, my God.
1: You know, everybody that makes it, makes it done a little bit different uh, way. And so you don't know, you don't know what you're putting in your body. And that's, you know, I think about it now that I've been clean for so long. I'm like, what an idiot I was. I was what? taking a chance every time I stuck a needle in my yeah. arm. And put that junk in my body. I was taking a risk, just <gasps> yeah. for the rush, the feeling, and last, you know, the rush lasts a few seconds.
0: Oh, know? is that all? It lasts a few seconds, but the high lasts. Oh, okay, a long time. The rush is the immediate, days, thing, and immediate, and then the immediate thing, and then
1: the high will keep you going. Yeah, you know? it
0: keeps you awake and keeps, keeps you... you going,
1: and keeps you awake to do stupid more stuff, more stupid stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: great, <laughs> great. And you can get hepatitis C and stuff like that of from course. the needles, right? Yes. Did you ever get sick like that? No. Oh, okay. When you were using, did they have needle exchange programs where you were? Um, or did
1: not they? really. They may have. I think there was. But I never, I never it? did it. i didn't, just just the fear of, okay, is it set up? You know, because meth, uh, yeah. meth meth makes you paranoid, you know? Oh, yeah. You know?
0: So you wouldn't trust. Exactly. Oh, yeah. They're going to give me I'll get a needle. I'll, and... I'll, find my,
1: I'll find my stuff. My stuff. Other places, uh, yeah. You know, I, I don't need to do that. I can
0: see where I wouldn't trust. Like they'll, they'll follow you, or they'll take down all of your information.
1: Exactly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people that do meth, they're so paranoid and out of their mind, they, they don't trust anybody.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I can imagine. That's one of the side effects of meth is it makes you paranoid.
1: Some people do. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. got paranoid for really bad for a little while.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it has a lot to do with the way it's made, also. Too.
0: Oh yeah. And then when you were in jail and in prison, I have heard that there's ways to just get drugs wherever you are. Were you oh, able to use
1: drugs there? Or um, no? I did a couple times. I didn't like it just because of where I was. OK. And so whenever I went and did a violation in prison, it was OK, this is my time to get my body healthy again so I can go back out there and do more. Oh,
0: okay. That's so you how thought I looked at it. it was like a little vacation for yep. your body to kind of get you amped eat, up again. You
1: eat, get healthy, ah. and then you go back out and do it all over again. <sighs> sometimes it'll last two months, three months, ah. maybe five months if you're lucky. And then you get busted for something stupid, or you're in, in somebody's house and the cops raid it and you're on parole. So you're going to go back too. Did you? Regardless.
0: Just, did you just go, okay, here, take me?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, a lot of times. There's been a couple of times I've ran, but I wasn't a very good criminal. I always got caught. <laughs> <laughs> I always got caught. I,
0: oh, my gosh. I bet it would be a lot of work to just stare clear of the police and, you know. It was
1: a cat and mouse game constantly. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I have a lot of tattoos on me. And so wearing long sleeves in the summertime, you just get to a point where you don't care anymore. You know, Yeah. Just, you, you have to go out. You go out. You know? Yeah. Back then, the cops would, once you're known to them in their system. uh uh-huh. Then then they pull you over and question you. Let me do an eye check on you. Oh. I think you're under the influence of meth. So I'm going to take you to jail.
0: Like they were hunting you down. Like, I've, Yeah, that was... Uh, you weren't doing anything wrong, really. You weren't bothering anyone. And you nope, were just, just
1: walk down the street. Cop stops you and says, oh, what are you doing?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I know you. What, what are you doing? How yeah. you doing? Mm-hmm. Get you to slip up and say the wrong thing. And then they say, okay, well, I think you're under the influence. Because you could... Come down off meth and sleep for two days mm-hmm. and get up, but it's still in your system for a little sure, while. And so sure. they take you to jail and they know you're not under the influence. Mm. They take you to jail and they test you. comes back positive because it's in your system. You're not high, but you're. Yeah. But it's in your system. So How long
0: does meth stay in your system?
1: Mm, it depends on how much you use it, I think. Oh, you know okay. I mean, if you're a daily, daily user, three, four days, I think, maybe.
0: Okay. okay. I know cannabis lasts for a month, so that's yeah. really tough to... Show anyone that you're trying to be clean. So
1: if you've been using meth as, as long as I did, chances are it was always in my system.
0: Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. And
1: I never had a chance to, to clean up unless I went.
0: Yeah. So when you were incarcerated, you would just kind of treat it like a little retreat. Yep. Get your food, get your sleep. Yep. But you knew as soon as you got out that you were going to go back to the Exactly. Street.
1: Because they they send you right back to where you're arrested at. The same. They drop city. you right back off. same right Same spot.
0: Yeah. Oh man! Well, I want to get to the good part. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, it just sounds just hard and miserable and That's scary. That's exactly how it was. It was miserable. Yeah. So what ended up having you turn around?
1: So my wife went with now. We were both using meth. I met her in my addiction. She got pregnant with our first daughter, and I'm not going to go into it too deeply because I don't want to get choked up right now. But she died at six months. And about a year later, she got pregnant again with the daughter we have now, Kylie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we decided that we're going to move out of California because we don't want this to happen again and it's time to change. Mm -hmm. And so we moved. We left California. We Mm -hmm. just turned our backs on everything and we moved in with her mom, Mm -hmm. which wasn't the greatest idea because she was a meth user also. But Betty got clean. She got clean Mm -hmm. and she had Kylie in Washington. My starting point was 2007. Okay. It's not my clean date because I don't really do clean dates. I don't work a program. Mm-hmm. I did in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It helped me a lot. Got my footing. Mm-hmm. Taught me a lot of things on, you know, taking step by step, little steps. Okay, you, you're going to accomplish this today. You're going to do this today. Mm-hmm. So 2007 is when I decided for myself it was time to change. Mm-hmm. Got to do some because they took Kali oh. when she was born. Is they, it foster they, care? Yeah, they put her into foster care because Betty was clean, but I wasn't. I was still using.
0: They can take the child away if one of the parents is using?
1: They wanted to prove that Betty was clean. And so they took her. We got her back two weeks later. We were doing good. We got into housing, separate housing. Betty slipped up and got her taken Mm. again. Mm. And we had to fight for a year and a half to get her Mm -hmm. back. I went to inpatient program and that time... The inpatient program was something that I knew I needed to do. And so I looked at it differently Mm -hmm. as, okay, this is not just my life, but it's Uh another life that's Mm -hmm. involved here. Mm -hmm. And so I went to two months inpatient treatment. I did six weeks of outpatient intensive and then another six weeks of outpatient. I got into a real sober living house. Uh, It's called an Oxford house. It's in Washington.
0: I know about Oxford house.
1: My cousin was actually my wife's house manager at at, at Y Housing. Okay. And it was a miracle that we hooked up and and my cousin got me into the Oxford house Mm -hmm. and got my foot in the door in recovery. And I had nothing. I had nothing, but it was better. I had about a year and a half under my belt Mm -hmm. because uh, we finally got Kylie back. Okay. And I knew I, I wanted to do better. I didn't want to mm-hmm. go back. I didn't want to leave Betty and mm-hmm. Kylie on their own. I mm-hmm. didn't want them to do it on their own. So mm-hmm. I had to step in and do it with them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it became a team. Mm-hmm. Betty and I became a team and we helped each other. Now there's been a couple slips in the beginning in Washington when we were out there before we moved to Iowa. We got comfortable in our sobriety. We thought, okay, mm. everybody thinks we're clean. Mm. We got our own apartment. We're doing great. The program that we were in that helped our low income,
2: mm-hmm.
1: mandatory random drug testing. Okay. But we thought, well, nobody's going to know. Mm-hmm. And so we started getting high again for a little bit, for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. And we got busted and kicked out of the apartments. Mm-hmm. CPS got involved again. They came to the door and they said, we're going to take Kylie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need to either release us to her now. Mm-hmm. Luckily, she was at daycare. Or you can surrender her mm-hmm. by the end of the day
0: oh my gosh
1: and i said fuck you you're not taking my daughter
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was a slip you know mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. okay i'm gonna get back on track but they yeah. didn't care about that yeah. because of my history because my history is pretty bad so i sold my truck i sold what i could and kylie and i packed two suitcases and we took the greyhound bus to betty's mm-hmm. family her dad in iowa so you're kind of on the land you, you the like, left day, that day, they had a pickup order for her and a warrant for my arrest. Wow! Betty well, stayed behind to pack up the apartment mm-hmm. and cash in her her check for college, so mm-hmm. we had mm-hmm. money to mm-hmm. live on out there. Mm-hmm. And Colleen and I were there three weeks until they found out where we were. Did and, they come get you? No, the judge in Iowa denied the warrant. He said, "Oh, okay." We did a walk through the house. We did a walk through oh, where good. they're at. They're in good hands. He's clean. Okay. He's not using drugs. Oh, that's good. He's doing what he's supposed to do, so we're not going to allow you to come get them. Oh, that's good. And they tried twice, and the judge denied it twice.
0: Oh, good. Well, that And so like... I
1: think that was God working, <clears throat> stepping in, Yeah. because if she would have been taken again, it would have been over for me. I would go right back to where I was.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like that judge was really believing in you and believing in the possibility that you could— you know, rise to this challenge. It sounds like a lot of the time the CPS people and other people just maybe didn't see any hope in you at all. Yeah. And did that make you feel like everything is hopeless?
1: Oh, of course. I mean, if, but it also made me want to fight harder because I knew I was better than that.
0: mm.
1: Once I got clean, I've been clean for a couple of years, you know, you build your confidence back Mm -hmm, up and you're mm -hmm. like, no, I don't want to be that person anymore. I'm, I'm better than that.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, I've often heard that you know people. A lot of times, they need to recover for someone else, at least at first. And it sounds like that's what you did.
1: Yeah. yeah it, without it, Kylie, maybe that some some people in the in the AA and NA program say that doesn't work, but for me, it obviously did.
0: Yeah, because you didn't care about yourself at the time.
1: So I, you I cared about cared more about having to have Betty do it on her own by herself, mm-hmm. and that's not fair. Yeah. And yeah, it came down to Betty and Kylie. I didn't want them to struggle doing it by themselves yeah
0: well that's very honorable and then it pulled you out and then eventually i hope you wanted to do it for yourself as well
1: of course yes
0: so but at the beginning it was for kylie and betty yes yeah
1: yes well Well, betty is my best she's my best friend mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be where i'm at if it wasn't for her
0: yeah wow well that is quite a story i'm just still kind of Reeling from it, just seems like you've lived twenty lives in your life,
1: <laughs> or more. Does yeah. it feel like that? Yeah, yeah it does. There's so much struggle. So many different people, different situations, areas. You just go from one circle of people to another. Mm. You know,
0: and when you first decided to be clean, and you moved to Iowa and all that, what did you find to do? What drove for, me? For no, for your job, like,
1: um that's what drove me. Pretty much, if I didn't find work, and make that my priority mm-hmm. then i wouldn't be able to stay clean
0: okay so working became your highest priority working,
1: working became my program it, mm-hmm. i quit doing the na and aa and i put all my effort into working and mm-hmm. being able to support kylie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that became kind of like my rehab mm-hmm. and oxford house in washington taught me how to be responsible
0: Can you talk a little bit more about Oxford
1: House? They're absolutely amazing. If you're ready and serious, then everybody in there is clean and sober. Everybody in there works a program. Everybody goes to meetings. We go to meetings together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great, great support group.
0: Yeah. And it's different than a sober living house because it's not for profit. And no, it's all self funded, self regulated. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And each house does it slightly differently. I understand. And
1: ev- everybody that lives there is all focused on the same thing staying clean and getting better.
0: Yeah. I've looked into those for Joey. I think that sounds amazing because a lot of the sober livings are just people are pocketing the money out here. Out here. Yeah. They're,
1: they're, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that's really amazing. Washington State
1: that. has a very, very big recovery family. Okay community very very big it's huge that's good Vancouver Washington is where we were at and it's very big out there
0: okay how was it when you went to Iowa scary there probably wasn't that big of a community there
1: no at that point I just said no I I can do this okay I don't need the steps I don't need to go to meetings and some people can't some people can do that some people can't and and I can. I did.
0: Yeah. There's so many ways to recover. I think a lot of people just think AANA is the only it's way. It's not, the only, not way. the only way. It's not. But a lot of times courts make you go. Of course. And they don't give you any other alternatives, which is, right. it, I wish they would offer some alternatives because AANA and NA are great for a lot of people, but there's religious issues and right. there's, it's not exactly science-based and, you know, there's some issues with, with those, Alcoholics Anonymous programs and, and things like that. You know, they
1: say it'll work if you work it, mm-hmm. you know, but everybody's different. Every everybody's. addict is different. Yeah. They're different in their addiction and they're different in their recovery. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And whatever's
1: going to work. And I found what works.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Recovery can look different for every single person and that person has to be the one to decide. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. There's not one person that can get another person clean yeah. or sober. Yeah. You're, It can't be done. Yeah.
0: Was there anything that your parents did when you were in high school and kind of going off the rails that either helped you or that made things worse? Do you have any advice for parents? Well,
1: kind of blurry. You know, they would try and discipline me and it just didn't work. It it backfired on them. I would go out the window at night. I would come home two days later. Mm -hmm. What are they going to do? Kick me out? Yeah. Because that's where I wanted to be.
0: Yeah. You You wanted to be kicked out. So. Wow yeah what are you doing with your daughter you have a 14 year
1: old yep and she's a great kid she's scared to death of drugs and alcohol just Mm -hmm. because of where mom and dad have been yeah i don't think she would even ever think about it i really don't that
0: happens uh, that happened to me my parents didn't use drugs but they brought in foster kids that brought drugs into our house and it was just chaotic all the time and i was like well I don't want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. So I bet that's what, what Kylie feels. And plus, she probably has that genetic propensity. It's not guaranteed that she would be addicted if she tried something. But that since both of you, both right. of her parents yes, are, yes. yeah. So well, that's good that she's terrified of it. That's hopefully really good. But how do you navigate? Like, what if she starts hanging with the wrong crowd? Do you talk openly about? Oh yeah, substances of course. Yes. Stuff?
1: Oh, you know we. There's nothing's been hidden from her. She knows all about my past, her past. Okay. You know, she knows she was in foster care for a while and we lost her and we fought really hard to get her back. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say, you know, sitting here thinking about it like a year or two years down line. If she starts experimenting, I, I don't know what I would do. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't answer that. That's. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't.
0: Well, I hope you never have to deal with it. Honestly, it's really tough.
1: I know that. The pain I put my family through, my mom and my sister, and the, you know, my mom would say, is today the day I'm going to get the call that
2: hmm.
1: my son's body has been found in a ditch and we need to identify him. And yeah. I put my mom through that. Yeah. Sleepless nights wondering, am I okay?
0: Yeah. You know, uh, and yeah. I
1: would I'd call maybe twice a year.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: it was right there, a couple blocks away.
0: Wow. Did you like drive by the
1: house and no, never did. Once in a while, I would come by and just to see her mm-hmm. a couple times a year.
0: Yeah, oh, that must have been heartbreaking.
1: It was guilt that made me not want to go back. Yeah, because I I knew I was sure. screwing up.
0: Sure, yeah, it's hard to face that and go well. Here I am, but I'm still using, and and you know that they want the best for you, but you're stuck in this cycle.
1: And I, I think mom knew that there was nothing physically that she could do to help me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that she just had to kind of step back and Mm -hmm. let it happen. Yeah. And that's really gotta be really, really hard for a parent to just step back and say, I can't help you. You're gonna have to help yourself. I'll be here if you need my help. Yeah. But I can't force you. I can't force help on you.
0: Yes. You know, your mom was very helpful to me early on when Joey was Mm -hmm. having problems. And she's like, oh, I remember that. (laughs) And she told me, well, we're going to bring her in a little bit. Maybe she'll tell me again. But, you know, having just not let you in the house and,
2: Mm -hmm. you know,
0: but she's like, Beth, you cannot make him sober. You can't force him to be sober. He has to want it. And it is the biggest challenge of the world to let go of your own child. You just think, okay, if I just say this one thing, or if I just put him in the right rehab, or if I just get him mm -hmm. the right psychiatrist, or if I just X, Y, Z, but none of it,
1: it's really hard i haven't been through that as a parent but i'm sure that that's got to be the hardest thing for a parent to to think of that i can't help my child
0: it's really tough because that's what you've been programmed to believe this whole time since they're little is that you're the helper Mm -hmm. and i was like here i am to save the day and (laughs) yeah
1: it's not going to work it doesn't work it could make it worse
0: yeah You know, at one point, Joey did say that. He says, Mom, I know you're trying to help, but this is making it worse. It's making me want to use more. And at first I was really offended because I'm like, if you use, that's your choice. And it wasn't me doing it, but I took it in and I listened and I said, you know what? He's telling me. I'm making things worse, so maybe I should try not to make things
1: worse. Yeah.
0: But it is really, really hard to let go. Well, we're back with uh, a few special guests. Eric, would you like to introduce who we have with us now?
1: To my left is my sister, Beth, and her left is my mom, Lori.
0: And I work with Beth. I've worked with Beth for years and years and years in music and just a dear, dear friend. And this is my first time meeting Eric, by the way. So it's been kind of wonderful. I've heard his story, especially when I told Beth about Joey, she shared about Eric. And so it's just a wonderful coming full circle and having you all together and me meeting Eric. Well, I wanted to bring you guys in because we were talking about what advice Eric would have for parents and what it must have been like for you all. But we thought, well, why don't you just tell us what it was like? Why don't we start with Beth? What was it like? How old were you apart? Much- I'm 11
2: years older than Eric is.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. oh, so you were old enough to watch the whole thing from an adult's point of view. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. And how was that for you? <laughs> well, Scary. It was mm-hmm. really super scary and it was really
2: sad. And I'm the fixer. So I would always try and be optimistic and fix things. Yep. And when I realized that I couldn't fix it, I would escape into my work. And I know you understand yep, what that's I do like. Think that. And you know, also there was a feeling of guilt that I couldn't help mm-hmm. and couldn't be there more for him because drugs and alcohol were never my game. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't get, I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So, was, there's a helplessness
0: there. Super helpful. And
2: because I was so much older than he, he was like my baby too.
0: Yeah, yeah. You probably, you know, I babysat him.
2: him and took him everywhere mm-hmm. and stuff. So, mm. you know, I'm so happy where he is now, but it was very difficult
0: at the time. Mm-hmm. Very, mm-hmm. and it
2: affects the whole family.
0: Yes, yes. It does. And it, it everybody affects everyone, right? The addict affects the people who aren't addicted. In- Everyone else affects the addict, and we're all just trying our best. And, you know, but it's, there's very little anyone can do Mm-mm. at a certain point. Well, that must have been really hard. And Lori, I was telling Eric that you helped me so much when Joey was first having problems. And you told me, Beth, there's nothing you can do. You need to, you know, just protect yourself and have strong boundaries. And that helped me a lot when he was just starting off with substances. And, We've learned and grown and we figured out that, yeah, we can't fix him either. So what was it like for you? Like, can you remember when he first started using drugs, using the punk scene? And what was that like for you? Did you realize what could happen? Well, of course, I was scared Mm -hmm. and
3: I was disappointed because he had so many gifts and talents. He's a great artist Mm -hmm. and he was a great musician. He was a good drummer and he's smart as a whip. Mm. But he was always a follower with the kids in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And he loved the boys in the neighborhood. And a couple of them were just great. and A couple of them weren't. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know for a long time what was going on. Mm-hmm. And when I finally realized what was happening, I suppose we went through what other parents did as far as the normal routines go. We tried this and we tried mm-hmm. that. hmm and in fact, we were even on the road to—I think it was Arizona. Uh, there was a like an academy, I suppose it was like a military academy. My husband said it; his dad set it up, mm-hmm. and I was not really involved in mm-hmm. it. But halfway there, he sweet talked his dad out of going. Mm. And one of the things that the director of this place said was, if he runs away from here, he can never come back and we won't get him home. Mm -hmm. And so Murr turned around and we took him home. And of course, he was pleading and crying and saying, you know, it won't happen again, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is a perfectly normal reaction and perfectly normal behavior for where he was at at Mm -hmm. the time.
0: Were you mad at your husband for bringing him back or were you glad that it didn't work out?
3: I was just frustrated. Yeah. Because even though I felt it was not right, Mm -hmm. he was, in his heart, he was doing it for the right reasons, Mm -hmm. he thought. Your husband? Yes. Yes. And he was one of these people that if you had a problem, you just shaped up. And so that doesn't work with people who are on drugs or on alcohol.
0: Was he kind of like? pull yourself up by the bootstraps, kind of? Yeah. I was
2: overly sensitive. Okay. Just, just, you're you're just too sensitive. Okay, got it. Come on, take just, a deep breath and do what you need to figure do. figure it out. Yeah, yeah. He did that with all of us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, he yeah. was a
3: very accomplished person who could do anything you really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I guess he just thought we all could do that, too.
0: Yeah. But it didn't work that way. And he, did he ever really understand addiction? Or was it, like, mystical? Mm-hmm. Did your husband understand addiction eventually? Oh, yes.
3: Yes. Yeah, he did. That he he
0: didn't have control.
3: He didn't handle it well. Okay. His idea of handling a problem that he couldn't solve was like to pretend it wasn't happening. Okay. La la la. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Yes, yes. I know that. That's a good one. That's a good one. Do you remember that trip to the treatment center? I don't remember that. You don't even remember it? (laughs) Hmm. I forgot to ask you, too, were you playing in bands? You said you got into punk music. Were you playing? A little
1: bit, a little
0: bit. Mostly going to concerts?
1: Never and... really went. Oh, okay. I mean, as far as me drumming okay. and making it, uh-huh. no. No, just played in the garage with
0: yeah, a couple okay, guys that band. play guitar. Nice. I wonder how, what percentage of bands get into drugs anyway? <laughs> I was thinking, well, maybe you could have gotten into that, but then it probably would have led to the yeah. same thing. Yeah, especially in punk music. That's kind of mm-hmm. part of that whole culture, right? Yeah. Yeah. What else did you do to try to get him
3: out of addiction? Well, he was in and out, I think, of every halfway house in the area, probably mm-hmm. a 30-mile area yeah. that we knew about. I remember going to family therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Those you are know. fun, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, that's a really fun he, thing. Oh, God. I can't remember exactly how long he was in-house. He was in a very excellent facility, and the counseling there was very good, mm-hmm. and it was very expensive. Mm-hmm. And the one that he dealt with most of the time was probably one of the best counselors. He had been addicted, mm-hmm. and you couldn't pull any wool over his mm-hmm. eyes, mm-hmm. and he didn't let the kids get by with anything. Mm-hmm. And that was good, and he was really good for about six months after that. Mm-hmm. Do you remember being there,
1: Eric? At the big hospital? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
3: yeah. And
0: I think it was about six months, maybe.
1: No, it wasn't that long.
0: It wasn't that long. Well, mm-hmm. were you able to fool your mom for a while? Like, especially when you were younger, at were first, you were able yeah. to hide it at first?
1: But she's a nurse. Yeah, I was you gonna know, say she's a.
0: I mean, Lori worked the psych hospital, right? I it,
1: mm-hmm. it got to a point where I didn't hide it. It was too hard to hide. Yeah, you know, yeah. come home stinking drunk, fall down drunk. Mm-hmm. And you can't really hide that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> he used to he'd head
3: for the bathtub, and he would get in the bathtub and fall asleep. But he'd lock the door, and <laughs> oh. that always scared me because then I figured but I never out
1: did drugs in the house.
0: Okay, I never, I no.
1: never, I never, not once did I ever bring drugs home. Oh, that's good. And I never did drugs in the house. No.
0: Okay. But you were afraid he would drown or something like that? Well, I, I, I didn't know what would happen, <laughs> yeah, you know.
3: Yeah. But I figured out how to get in there.
0: Okay. And after <laughs> a while, you told me that you wouldn't let him back in the house. But that probably took a long time to... Uh,
3: yeah. Well, after we had tried in and out mm-hmm. to this center and that center and mm-hmm. this center, mm-hmm. I got smart. And realize, come on, wake up. There's nothing you can do except pray. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. But it had to be tough love because there was nothing I could do. And I knew that until he was ready to do something permanently, it was going to be the roller coaster ride. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole family, Mm -hmm. you get the hopes up. Mm -hmm. And there's five weeks. It's wonderful. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we're back down. Or you think
2: it's wonderful.
3: Yeah. And, you know, but it got to the point that that was really hard. I I was happy when he wasn't happy. I was relieved when he was in jail because I knew where he was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not realizing what he told me many years later (laughs) that His easiest source was in jail most of the time, you know. That's so horrible. Uh, Yeah. And, but I knew that he had three hots and a cot, you Mm -hmm. know, and a shower and uh, he was alive. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew where where he was. Yeah. Because he lived a long time under the freeway, which is an area very close to our house. I had gone there several times Mm -hmm. and found him there and brought Mm -hmm. him food. Mm -hmm. But. And see, I couldn't handle that. I'm uber sensitive. And
2: I went to the East Coast and I started working, Oh, you know, and when we would talk infrequently or I would talk to mom, it was like, how's Eric doing? Well, he's not doing very well. And then I just go back to work because I couldn't handle it. It was just too much. And I still deal with the guilt of that, Mm -hmm. that I wasn't more present. Mm -hmm. I kind of escaped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and you were
0: living your dream. I was, you were on Broadway. I was hot. And I was doing, doing my thing. thing
2: and I was hot. Yeah. And it was very easy to pretend it didn't exist mm-hmm. until you go to sleep and then or lay in your bed and you realize it exists.
0: But your baby brother is living under a freeway. Yeah.
2: And- yeah. And you now there's still things I know that we don't know. And that's his story to tell. That's not my story yeah. to tell. But I just remember, you know, always missing him so much and being so envious of mm. other people that had a closer relationship mm. so right now I probably drive you crazy because <laughs> I'm a little over you're catching you know, up for time but he's
0: my hero what can yeah. I say he is
2: my hero and I'm trying to catch up for
0: lost time what was know? it like when you know the couple times a year or whatever you would talk to Beth was that I never
1: talked to Beth like, like never. Was just mom. Well, you Uh know,
0: you called me a couple of times at my
2: condo. Yeah, you did. Oh,
1: yes, I did. Yes, you did. I did talk to you a couple of times, but mostly I would call mom. Yeah. A couple of times a year. Yeah. But just just to make sure to let her know I'm okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it was probably never really, I
1: never called and begged for anything. You know, Mm -hmm. I. No. I never never called and asked you for money. I I just, when I called, I wanted just to make sure that you knew that I wasn't dead, Mm -hmm. that I was okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't like, okay, but I wasn't. <coughs>
0: you were dead. I wasn't still dead. alive. Were there times, Lori, that you thought he was gone when you wouldn't hear from him for a long time? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when things
3: were semi-good, a couple of times he called, and we got together. When you got married, we
1: hmm. <laughs> the first married. Yeah. Not. Not. Not Betty, now. no, no. Oh, Betty. no. <laughs>
3: this was early on. This a mm-hmm. mistake. Yeah. And a learning experience. Yeah, we all have those. Yeah. Yeah. And so I saw him then, of course. And then when he was with Betty and the baby, I met you we for met lunch Allie. down we in Costa Allie Mesa.
1: Yeah. Who died, our first daughter. Yeah. yeah.
3: And Lexi died. We weren't
1: in a good place. Uh, we we were still in a bad place. Yeah. Betty and I on the streets, you know. Yeah, yep. it was
3: not good. Oh, that must have the calls been the, the calls at, oh. at night. Mm. Not from Eric, but any
2: phone call in the
3: evening was a trigger and oh, terrifying. Yeah, because there were times at night when we had to get together behind a dumpster someplace and I had to bring you home. Mm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm.
2: I am um, not yep. not to bring up. Because I'm so proud, I keep saying, you know, I have to justify, but there were times when mom and I would talk about what we would do when we got that phone call mm-hmm. and how we would proceed with that.
3: Mm-hmm. That he would be gone. And mm-hmm.
2: that's a hard thing to talk about. Yeah. Like, yeah. what do we do for a funeral or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it, it was always in the back of your head, yeah. you know? And I'm so grateful now that that's not in my head anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Eric, you've just made such a a beautiful transformation of your life, you know, and moving out to California. It's a miracle. It is a miracle.
1: I spent 12 years in Iowa, which was the best move that we had ever done. Like I said, I was clean and started in 2007, but had a couple bumps in the road Mm -hmm. from then. It's been consistent since Iowa. So it's probably 12 years now, I think, that I've been consistently... Off the meth. In that time, in that twelve years, I went and I got a little job. I I, I worked for Hormel Foods as a forklift driver. Oh, yeah. I, had, mm-hmm. I made good money there, and mm-hmm. I was we were doing good. Mm-hmm. I got fired, and so I was like, "Oh, now what do we do? Mm-hmm. What do we do?" Well, we do what normal people do: we go out and get another job.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't get fired from drugs. Oh no! From drug no, 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 else. no 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 no
1: no okay. no. I made a mistake at work. Yeah. Okay. So, I got a job at a garbage company fixing tires mm. six months later i told my boss i'm going to drive these trucks mm-hmm. he goes well then go out and get your license Ooh. that's what i did i went out and got my commercial driver's mm-hmm. license and
2: his his boss was shocked because he didn't think eric, i was going to do it when eric says he'll do something he mm-hmm. does
1: it mm-hmm. right now
2: and how long did it take you to do that two weeks <gasps> two weeks and he walked yes. in and said the okay first, i did this
1: the first time i ever drove a commercial vehicle on the road is when I took my driver's test in a garbage truck. Oh my gosh. And I passed. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so now that's what I do. I drive a garbage truck. Wow. I started in Iowa and then I got hurt at work and I had surgery on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Mom and Beth were out visiting last summer mm-hmm. and I wasn't expecting it, but I got a, a really nice big check in the mail mm. and I just said, it's time to move back. It's been 12 years. It's Mm -hmm. time to come home. Mm -hmm. We can afford it now. I've got a chunk of money. Mm -hmm. And I transferred with my company Mm -hmm. back home. Mm -hmm. So now I'm union. Mm -hmm. I'm still driving a garbage truck. Mm -hmm. I'm making more money than I've ever made. Mm -hmm. And apartment is kind of pricey. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, it's location. I'm in a great location.
0: Yeah, yeah. Were you scared at all to move back? No. You know, with all of your old friends.
1: all uh, A little bit, and... a little bit. But from what I understand, most of the people that I ran with, all the knuckleheads, all the prison people, they're gone. Okay. There's maybe a handful left. Some of them have pulled themselves out and turned mm-hmm. their lives around. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple that haven't. That, but it's been so long, I don't even mm-hmm. think they'd recognize me. Okay. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm really not worried about that. Yeah. I was at first, mm-hmm. but I've been back since september Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anybody okay I haven't had any problem
2: eric is a completely different man he's yeah. he's a man
1: i ran with a crowd that were white supremacy mm-hmm. white white supremacy. Mm-hmm. never actually believed in it mm-hmm. but i went along with it because i wanted to be accepted so mm-hmm.
2: it also in my heart deep you. down
1: deep down in my mm-hmm. heart i knew i wasn't racist mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I just putting on a show and it got to it was like i did this for so long okay that that's that's who i became i was that's
0: did that happen in in prison or on the street both Mm
1: -hmm. both both Mm
0: -hmm. in the street culture do you kind of have to align with somebody
1: Mm, not really the street
0: okay Mm. you tell me that prison you do though you do yeah you do yeah you have to be in some and
1: then then when you get out then yeah you have to walk a certain line Mm -hmm. once you've been in that situation Mm -hmm. yeah you do Mm. But I, I don't have that fear anymore because, you know, I, I will openly tell anybody that you know, I don't believe in that anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I were to meet up with one of my old friends who's a skinhead, mm-hmm. he'd be very disappointed in me today because <laughs> I'm very outspoken. And I'm like, I don't want anything to do with mm-hmm. you or, or your beliefs. Yeah. It's wrong. Yeah. It's prevalent in Orange County. It was worse. It's not it anymore. It was
0: worse? Oh, really? Ugh. No. Terrible. Well, I wonder what your old friends would think of you now. Would they be jealous? I would hope
1: they'd be jealous because, you know, I've got a life and they don't.
0: Yeah. I bet they would just be like, whoa. And I try not to
1: think about it, you know, because I I, I don't care about them anymore. mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's his new life.
1: My new life is, it's like completely 180. Mm -hmm. Completely. I don't have a lot of friends, but the friends mm -hmm. that I do have, I've known for a very long time Mm -hmm. and they weren't a part of that life. They've Mm -hmm. been in my life Mm -hmm. as I was in my addiction, but they never were. Mm-hmm. So now they're back in my life mm-hmm. and I'm clean and I don't see him that often. Mm-hmm. But when I do, it's really nice. Nice.
2: And it's so wonderful when he calls now. Mm. Hi, mom. Mm. Hi, Beth. Oh, what you doing? Can I come over for coffee?
0: It's nice. just it's just a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember when you were planning to move and Beth and Lori were just scampering around trying to find an <laughs> apartment and they were oh. so excited. It was like a, a major homecoming. Was just like. <sighs> we, we never thought it would happen like this.
1: Yeah. And we got the first apartment we applied for.
0: Was there ever any concern, Eric, that when you decided to switch up your life and live a clean life, that your family wouldn't be there for you, or did you know that they were going to be there for you?
1: No, I didn't have any doubt that they wouldn't. That never occurred to me. You knew that the door I knew, wasn't that, I knew totally they were closed. waiting. Yeah, I, I knew that they were waiting for me to to pull my head out of my mm-hmm. ass.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: so to speak, you know, to change to to make that decision.
0: Yeah, and they've been there for you. That's so that's so great. Were you ever tempted to just lock the door permanently and just say, "I'm done with you"? No, you you'd never give up on him. No, there's always hope. You
3: couldn't. Mm -mm. You couldn't. You can't give up hope. No, and actually, giving up was never a problem. It was just hoping. (laughs) that it would happen while I'm still here. Yeah. You know. Right. As the years went by, year after year, and, you know, I was getting older and just waiting and praying
0: that it would happen, that I would be here to see it, you know. Well, because it was three decades, right, that Mm -hmm. he was in the cycle. Wow. Well, I'm glad you have... Very good genes and you're super healthy and you're still here.
3: Yeah, I have longevity on my family on both sides. So the odds were in my favor.
0: Yay. Yeah, I have but, to tell
3: you this Christmas, though, was the first time
2: that the mm-hmm. whole family mm-hmm. with Betty and Kylie and Eric. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. thought she was going to tap dance <laughs> <for> <laughs> two weeks before because yeah. she was so excited that finally yeah. all the praying, all of the hoping and wishing <laughs> and mm-hmm. dreaming that. We Mm -hmm. were all family sitting around the table. Mm -hmm. And that's all you need,
3: you know. Well, I'll tell you, I am so proud. After he made the decision, Mm -hmm. that was the end. Like he said, a couple couple of bumps. Mm -hmm. And Betty is so strong. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is a person who makes a decision today, and it's forever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can't believe it. But Eric, unbeknownst to us, there was a new law in Iowa. Did you tell her about that?
1: Oh yeah, I've got my felony dismissed.
3: Mm, all of them, all everything. everything. Wow! So he can go any place, do anything. He voted for the first time. Yay. Yes,
2: he's um, and he
0: and he did that by so himself. I that mean, was he, a lot of paperwork, right? Oh, a lot yeah. of red tape and oh, a lot good. of waiting
1: too. It took a long time.
0: Yeah, wow. it took a couple of years. And
3: his credit rating is. Fabulous. I love to go shopping with him because <laughs> I think we could yeah. buy just about anything. Well, that gets
1: me in trouble too financially. Yeah. 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 <laughs> New set of problems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: But he has never expected anything. Mm-hmm. He has never mm-hmm. asked for mm-hmm. anything. No. Mm-hmm. And he has never, ever said that what transpired was not his own decision. Mm-hmm. No one was to blame. Mm. And he could walk
2: around with a a chip on his shoulder the size of, you know, Texas, but he doesn't. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he is a kind, Mm -hmm. loving person Mm -hmm. and so responsible. Mm -hmm. And he made all those decisions. And like I said, he's my hero. I I have a living hero. Mm -hmm. He's my superhero,
3: you know. And he started out teaching his little girl very early on. Mm I can remember when she was so little and she had all these little things that she had all over the house that he was stepping on. And he made the rule that every year they had to go through all of the toys and the clothes and they made these nice big sacks and took them to the other children who didn't have it. Uh-huh. Nice. And yeah. when anybody needed anything, Betty and Eric mm. were first the first people? ones there. To help. When a house burned and a little old lady was in trouble and somebody needed this or somebody needed that, they were the first ones there mm. to give.
0: So I couldn't be more proud. Yeah, I know. And grateful.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, your family is remarkable and you've been such a gift to us and helped us out so many different ways. Lori and Beth, you've just always told me, do not give up hope. Do not give up hope.
3: Never, you never do. Never
0: give up hope. You never quit. Mm-hmm.
3: and you never quit praying because the day will come yeah but it's their day yep, not our day yeah so we have to be strong
0: yeah you had to be strong for 30 years that's a long time that's a long time did you feel their support even in your lowest times did you say I but at least were, I know I've, I have a family I've, that loves me I
1: knew they were always there
0: yeah did you have any friends or peers that had no one like that their family had just turned them out and given up? Yeah. Yeah. Or they're just... There's a
1: lot of people like that out there. There's a lot of people who don't have anybody to turn to for help.
0: I just feel like our society filled failed so wise. many people. You know, if their family is gone, then community needs to come around. But did you feel like the systems in place had any hope in you, any belief in you, or were they kind of against you? What system? Like, I don't know. CPS, the prison system, the court system. It's all all money. It's just money. It's all
1: money. You're a number.
0: Yeah. They don't see you as a person. Nope. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Until I got into Oxford House in in Vancouver, Washington, Mm -hmm. is when I really saw that these people are actually happy and that they're staying clean Mm -hmm. and they're working and they're being responsible. And I thought. I can do this.
0: Okay. So you saw the image of what's possible.
1: When I was in Oxford House, that's when I realized Mm -hmm. I can do this.
0: Well, I'm so glad you realized that. And I'm so glad you came out and transformed your life. It's really a remarkable story, Eric. Really. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so proud of you too for just standing by him. I'm sure that was difficult at times and just terrifying, but you just never gave up hope. Never gave up faith that he would turn it around. And now you're here on the pod sharing so other families can have hope. Absolutely. And Never give up the hope. Oh. No. It'll help you. Yeah.
2: You know me. I believe in fairies and I believe in <laughs> but, but wishes come
1: true. Yeah. But just because it took me 30 years doesn't mean it's going to take 30 years for someone else.
0: Right, everybody has their own path and yeah. different resources or different turning of events and you just never know. You don't know they, when that yeah.
1: time is going to come for that person.
0: It could be days, weeks, hours or decades.
1: Exactly.
0: And so that point of acceptance. Okay, this is the way it is. I can't change it, but I'm just going to never give up hope and just keep of life. You have to go on with your life. Yeah. Yeah. But you
2: always love that person yeah. deeply. Yeah. You never stop loving them.
0: Yep,
3: and worrying about them. Yeah, it's just always there, right? Yeah, it's always there. Yeah, always there.
0: there. Well, thank you all for being on the pod. I know Joey, you know, loves Beth and Lori so much. You guys love Joey too so much over the years.
3: I miss that guy sitting at my bar having a sandwich after school. (laughs) Yeah,
0: they picked him up from school for a while and fed him. A lot of food because <laughs> they're from Iowa. And that's yeah. what you
3: do. Well, he's a growing boy. Yes.
0: He loves to eat. Yes, yes. So maybe someday we can get all of our families together and do something fun. That we would be great. hope for that. Yes. yes. So thank you all for sharing your stories. It's so important for everyone to hear the story of hope. Thank you so much. And thank you. And make sure and share this episode with anyone else you know who might have someone struggling with addiction. Or incarceration or something that seems like it could be hopeless. Give them this episode and so they can have some hope for themselves and for their family. And go ahead and find Safe Home podcast on social media. We also post our episodes on YouTube, on all the podcast apps, and we have a Patreon account if you'd like to support the show so we can maintain our commercial free status. And just find us at patreon.com slash safe home. You can get some extra goodies if you sign up on Patreon as well. Thank you, Eric and Beth and Lori, for being here. And thank you all for listening. And we all want you to stay stay safe. Stay safe.